It's, um, it's great when church numbers get added to. And uh, Thomas and Snyder had a baby girl this week, Evie, which is, which is fantastic. Thomas, are you, are you, are you around? there you are over there. Snyder, good? Everybody good? Are you good? Brilliant. We're so pleased. Fantastic. Um, Alpha started this last Wednesday. If, you're not, if you don't know what Alpha is, it's um, an a course that introduces Christianity. It's a fantastic course. If you don't know Jesus and you want to know about him, Alpha is a fantastic course to go to. It started this Wednesday. It runs for seven Wednesdays. And if you would like to join it, it's not too late. And so uh, if you could come and see me after the service and I'd connect you to the right person and, uh, and you could join the Alpha this Wednesday, second Alpha course this Wednesday. Um, every month, we, the church has a church lunch together. We like to do community, building relationship together. And we have a church lunch, which is usually on the first Sunday of the month. But next month, it's not. It's on the second Sunday. So just get that in your diaries. I think that's the 11th. I'm not sure. I think that's the 11th. It is the 11th. So church lunch next, next, next month in February is, is the 11th of, um, of February. If anybody's got a particular hankering for Germany, feel God's been speaking to them about Germany. New Ground is about to establish a new church in Berlin. There's four million people, mostly unsaved people in Berlin. If you've got a heart for Germany, there's a couple called Pete and Sarah Benton who we'd love to connect you to. Come and see me after the service. Sharon. Um, a couple of announcements, but the first one is just, I'm opening up my home on Thursday morning. I did this a bit before Christmas, but really for any ladies that just want to come round, have a cup of coffee, you might have to make it yourself, because it's the day I look after my two grandchildren. So I'm at home, basically, looking after two little boys. Come and join me. Come and help me. But it's just, it, it literally, I just thought... You know, it's great to just be families and women together. You know, it's what we do. We like to have a chat. And uh, if we need to pray about anything, then, you know, it's, it's, we're just loving each other and nothing special but just my home's available for you. So um, that'd be lovely. If you want to know my address, come and see me afterwards and I can give you a little sticky thing. But um, any time from, well, I'm there from half past seven. Well, I'm there all night, actually, but um, <laughs> um, the boys are there from half past seven. <laughs> Anyway, come, come whenever. It's, it's that casual. Okay, moving on. Um, um, I'd like to introduce you to um, a, a great lady um, who has a story to tell. Um, Charlotte, can you come up? Charlotte lives in Kemsing as well. She's just an ordinary mum, ha, 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 with a great big vision and a big heart. And girls, do you want to come up as well? And they're going to tell you about the Bountiful Conference, which you've probably seen posters about. And I know some of you have booked up. This is ladies, but men don't switch off because you'll be needed to babysit, okay? It's, it's yeah. Anyway, I'll leave it to you. Thank you so much for having us here today. Um, yep, yeah, I'm here just to talk to you about Bountiful. Um, it is two weeks away, which is really, really exciting. So Bountiful is a women's Christian conference, um, and it's on the 3rd of February at Trinity School. Uh, the conference is worship. It's led by Lou Fellingham and her band. Um, we've got Gemma Hunt, who is the keynote speaker. Um, we've got a variety of other speakers that you can choose from throughout the day as well. The theme is God-given gifts. Um, and we've got food vans. We've got where you can treat yourself for lunch. We've got biscuits and coffee on arrival. Um, we've got goodies throughout the day. You know, lots of lovely and wonderful um, things. So the journey to where we are today has been one of inspiration, growth, unity, and impact. It's an honor to be able to stand here in front of you guys today um, and just share some of the ways how God's provided things for us and you guys. Um, so at, towards the beginning, Charlotte had prayed for people to come on board who'd done this sort of thing before, and God supplied them. 
Uh, we needed a venue, and God provided Trinity School on the date that we hoped for, and that was financially affordable. We needed funds to print flyers and posters, and God provided someone who paid for them, and someone who offered to pay for the large banners in town. We also prayed for sponsors and partners. God gave us those. We prayed for speakers, and God provided us with four incredible dynamic women. Uh, we prayed for a worship leader, and God provided provided us with a fantastic one, Lou Fellingham. We needed insurance, and God provided a church that loaned us that money. We also needed someone who could lead the youth stream. God didn't only provide one, two, but he also provided three youth leaders. We needed help with technical aspects, and God provided that. God also provided... Uh, oh yeah, we wanted food vans, um, but <coughs> but we couldn't afford to pay for them. So God provided us with four companies, two of which will donate ten percent of their profit to bountiful costs. God has driven this vision all the way, and we can't wait to open the doors and welcome two hundred to three hundred girls and women to worship and learn together. God's done that. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's incredible. You know, God has done that for the girls and for the women that we can open the doors up to um, on the 3rd of February. So if you do want to come and book a ticket or you want to just come and speak to us about it, we're going to be over there after the service. You've got Sasha, you've got Abby, you've got Sharon, you've got some wonderful people here. You've also got Jeeves and Catherine over there. Um, so <laughs> our desire is to help girls and women um, to step into their true identity and to really know and love Jesus and what he wants to give them. So thank you so much. I think it would be great to stand and pray for these. these. These have been working very hard for what? Well, you've had the vision for five years, Charlotte's carried this, and prayed and prayed. And then when did you get join the team? Two years? Three? Three years? Charlotte gathered a group of, of girls right through all ages, all churches, um, and they've prayed and they've prayed and they've prayed, and then things started to develop. Well, you've heard some of, some of the answers to prayer because there are many, many more. Um, God is all over this. It's so exciting. Um, but they need prayer, and they are frontlining something, which is, I think, phenomenal. And it hit me this week that actually this conference is being held on the wilderness site. It was wilderness. It's now bountiful. It's where Trinity School is. It's where, and I believe it's a bit of a holy place because, of course, our church used to meet there. There's been worship on that site. It's like God said, here I am. You know, there are some thin places in this world, I think, sometimes, you know, and I think God's all over that. So I think this is phenomenal and so exciting. The first time ever that Christian women or from all over in Seven Oaks and, and outside as well, coming together to worship and grow and fellowship and wow you know but the enemy hates that and and Charlotte this week has been very poorly and it's quite a miracle really that you're here I think today um you know she's been yeah really low re really ill and so they need prayer and um and so it'd be great if we could just stand and pray for them if you want to come and lay hands on them you know if you feel, if you've got a word then you know just just come and let's bless these girls okay thank you lords Come, Lord Jesus. He under a Kashambara Kasanda Stamana Nakasu and a Shandara Kasambari and a Sea and a She and a Suan and a Stamani. Holy Spirit, come. Come and anoint and equip, Lord Jesus. Come and empower, Father God. Come, Lord Jesus, protect. Father, will you just be all over this? Thank you, Father. She had a somebody under somebody under somebody under somebody under somebody under somebody under Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Yes, come on. Thank you, Lord. We worship you for what you have brought about. Thank you for this vision, this heart, this dream, Lord God, that has now grown into something bountiful. And Father, we don't want to limit you in what you're going to do on that day for the women of Seven Oaks, for Seven Oaks, Lord God, for the children of Seven Oaks, 
Father, we claim this day for you. And we say, come, Holy Spirit, we need you. We need your covering. We need your protection, your guidance. Father, I pray for Charlotte as she heads this up. I pray for good health for her, Lord. I pray for her family, Lord Jesus. I pray, Father, for all the women that are going to attend and those that wish they could too. Father, I pray that it will be an amazing day because of you. Thank you, Lord God. Amen. Wow, that is amazing. Really amazing. Keep, keep them in your prayers this week. Let's, uh, let's welcome Adam. It's vision part two. Uh, just don't feel we're quite finished from this morning, the worship session. Can we just close our eyes just for a minute? Yeah, Holy Spirit, we welcome you again. Just welcome you. You come freshly on us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We welcome you. God, we are after you. Oh, Jesus. Just felt as Kim was praying this morning and just talking about the favor of God and the blessing of God, his approval over you. Immediately in the hearts of some, there was a response of, I've not behaved well enough to justify his approval of me. Just felt that was an immediate response in uh, some people. And I just feel God wants to tell you again, it's not down to your behavior. His approval of you is down to the performance of his son, not your performance. Now look, we need to turn from sin. Don't get me wrong. If there's sin in your life, you need to turn from it. But ultimately the deal is Jesus has paid the price. And now the father, when you became a Christian, you came into his son, as it were. You came into, he was made sin for you. And it means now the Father looks at you and he loves you and he approves of you. And you are given free access to him. So even though you haven't done very well this week, the Lord still says, Hey, come, my child, come, come to me. I'm still your Father, I still love you. Just feel that you need to know freshly the approval of the Father this morning. So just if you need that, just receive that right now. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come and whisper, particularly into those who are full of condemnation right now, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. There isn't any anymore. Father, thank you. Condemnation has been banished from the life of believers. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, amen. Amen. Great. Good. <clears throat> well, hello. Great. Good to see you. Okay. Well, look, today <clears throat> I'm going to do part two of vision and mission, which is uh, what I did last week. And if you remember, we went through the vision and mission. We, most of you here, did you, did you hear it? Yeah. Good. And uh, I thought what I'd do this morning is, uh, very briefly, I'm just going to recap. I'm not going to go through it in the kind of detail I did last week. Um, it is available now on the website if you need it. But I'm just going to briefly, briefly uh, recap what our vision for 2018 is. And our vision is... <laughs> yeah, good. Okay, perhaps I will do it in a bit more detail. <laughs> Yeah, our vision for 2018 is doing church bigger. It is doing church bigger. And uh, you recall, that was our vision for 2017. And I think we agreed, or at least uh, that's what I said anyway, uh, that, um, so that means we agree. Good, I'm pleased to hear. We have an understanding. That's excellent. That's excellent. We are going to get on well this morning, I can see. Um, yeah, so we agreed that the vision uh, had served us really well. Uh, last year, doing church bigger. We went, didn't we, for reaching more people, and we went for larger events, and we just wanted to take the gospel message of Jesus out so that more people could see and hear and believe. And we went through all these uh, lists. I'm not going to go through it in great detail. Oh, sorry. We went through all of this stuff. This was the outcome of the vision from last year, and uh, we had a second slide as well. Yeah, all this sort of stuff. And basically, what we said was we saw more saved. We saw uh, more attending on Sunday mornings. We had more visitors. We had more coming to our events. We have a bigger kids' work than we had uh, 18 months ago. We have a new website. We, have, we are doing more advertising, more outreach and promotion. And we've got more connection with 
different organizations. That kind of sums up, I think, last year very quickly without going into um, the full detail. And uh, we said we're going to carry on with uh, that this year. We're going to aim to make Jesus known more, aren't we? It's the passion of our hearts, I trust. I trust it is the passion of this church that we take him and we, we show a dying world where life can be found. And it's in his name. It's in me and I trust it's in you. And boy, if it isn't, I trust by the end of the year it will be. That would be great. <clears throat> Okay, so we, we're going to carry on doing that. But we said with this vision of doing church bigger, it also meant something else. It wasn't just a structural size thing, although we, we rejoice in that. We recognize that, oh, I said to you, I felt that God had been speaking this, that we need to do love bigger. We need to do care bigger. We need to do bigger in here individually. Our hearts becoming bigger with care and uh, I just felt very strongly the Lord was saying, yeah, it's about what I do within you. As each one of you grows, then church will be bigger. And uh, uh, we said particularly there was a real heart for the poor, the broken, and the needy. And uh, I managed to hold it together as I was talking about that, only just, but I did. And uh, we then said, well, okay, if we're going to go after the poor to help the poor, to pour out blessing and compassion on the poor, who are the poor? And uh, we said, yeah, it's not just the economically poor, those who haven't got any money. It's also the socially and relationally. I don't know if you saw an article this week. Did anybody see that article? There are now officially nine million lonely people in Britain, it is such a problem now in this nation that the government has appointed a minister for the lonely. The government has actually realized what an issue this is. Nine million people who are lonely, who are isolated. That is a real significant form of poverty now within our nation. But we saw it wasn't only that. It was an aspirational poverty. Some people just don't believe their lives will change. Yet we know the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The Bible is not short on aspiration in Christ, is it? We can accomplish all things because who's with us? Yeah, absolutely. God Almighty. <laughs> That's not a bad friend to have, is it? Um, and uh, so the aspirationally poor, physically and mentally poor as well. And also, obviously, the spiritually poor. Those who are outside of Christ, those who don't know they are spiritually poor. So we, we recognized that, we went through that, who are the poor. And um, after that then, I went through the mission, what we're physically uh, going to do. And uh, do you remember we said we wanted to sponsor five kids? That's been good response to that. And uh, something definitely we will be doing. We'll be talking to me, Dad, who is a minister out in Uganda. And uh, he runs uh, an orphanage for those who have just been left utterly destitute. And his heart is to build leaders for Christ out of these orphans. And I would love to, to support that if we can. We're going to host a course to help people caught up with uh, physical or mental abuse. Uh, we're going to develop links we trust with the elderly through Wield Heights and uh, uh, look to develop that a little bit more. We're going to explore anyway the provision of basic mental health advice through um, a professional uh, individual uh, who's going to come in to give us some, some help with that. Uh, we're going to continue to build our preferred partners list and we've seen good progress with that uh, during the course of the year. Um, we're going to continue to make this building bigger physically. We need to make this building bigger. So we'll take an offering at some point uh, this year. Uh, we're going to reach out to the lost more, the, the spiritually poor. We're going to advertise, keep promoting. We're going to keep doing this, aren't we? Because we want to see them saved. This is not just another thing to tick off. We're, we're after the lost. So we're going to uh, create a new welcome booklet. That's just a thing that's missing, I think, among us at the moment. Uh, we're going to explore the idea of doing a Christmas Day meal. Um, that's just some people who are particularly burdened with that. Uh, we're going to see if we can attend a Father Heart conference. Malcolm's going to reform the prayer ministry team. Uh, we're going to hold a seminar on domestic abuse this year. And lastly, and most importantly, we're going to ask that question, how do I do love bigger? So that's a very quick recap of the vision and the mission that we set out last year. 
And uh, I, I've had great response from people, so thank you for your emails and your uh, verbal response. I'm just so heartened by it. Um, I just wanted to add, though, this as well. I just wanted to talk about the, the flow of the year, just so that you understand what the plans are. Obviously, at the moment, we are running Alpha, and that continues to be a big priority for us. Uh, Ian started it here. We had a you know, good number. We're looking for more next week. Um, and uh, with, that's going to run until about the sort of uh, springtime. Then from June, in June this year, we're going to run Exploring Membership. Now, I know uh, Malcolm and I haven't been particularly... Uh, we haven't laboured the whole issue of membership. And uh, we've been very happy for people to come. But we just feel time is right now to, to introduce a membership course again. So if you would like to become, or at least e examine what does it mean to be a member uh, of this church, then we'll be running a course over five weeks in uh, June and, towards, uh, and a couple of weeks into, into July... Uh, looking at that issue, what does that mean? And then from September to December, we're going to run the very excellent Freedom in Christ course. Now, a number of you have done that, haven't you? Good, isn't it? Yeah, and tremendous reports about genuine freedom breaking into people's lives. It's a kind of discipleship course and a freedom course, isn't it? Sort of all rolled into one. Very, very good. So that's the kind of flow of the year. That's the beginning, the middle, and the end. So if you see that, it's important for you to understand what's going on. Also, there are other things we're looking at. So Malcolm and uh, Chris, I know, are looking at a Restored Lives course. Uh, uh, now, that's, it's really for people who come out of very broken relationships. Um, uh, a number of people who've been through divorces go on to this course. Find it helpful. How do you restore? Some, divorced people are some of the most hurting people out there. And we want to love them, don't we, and restore people. And this course is a way of just trying to offer some help. So we haven't got a fixed date for it at the moment. Obviously, New Day will be happening. Oh, <laughs> oh apparently New Day's happening, but nobody's bothered. Um, <clears throat> Uh, so anyway, New Day's fantastic, isn't it? It's, our, it's uh, for our youth. It's a Christian festival. It's just loud and full of milkshakes and noise and cake. And, and it's really excellent, really, really excellent. So if you've got uh, youth, they are, it's just a brilliant. Uh, we'll be doing that in, in, in August. It's about 7,000 go to that. It's about 7,000. Uh, from us. Man, you have got faith and I like it. <laughs> um, the Father Heart Conference is a conference that I'd love us to be thinking about. Again, that's about giving two or three days. It will be a midweek uh, 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 conference, so you might have to take time off if you want to come to that. And, uh, but it's just giving two or three days just to say, Father, would you come and just run your fingers through my heart? Is there any forgiveness I need to do? Any, any way in which I can go deeper with you? Great course and a great conference, and I'd love us to do that. And obviously, we have our social events. Now, I want, again, just for, particularly if you're new to understand, our social events are kind of split into two halves. So the first half of this year, our social events really are about us as a church just having a laugh together. We come together to have a bit of fun, and we mess about, and we, you know, we do our talent and takeaway evening. You know, we, some visitors get invited too, and that's great. The second half, though, is a kind of build-up to Alpha. So we have a number of events, and in all those events, the quiz nights and bits and pieces, we begin to promote Alpha so that we can then launch Alpha for January next year as well. So, okay, so that, just so you understand, that's the kind of, that's in my thinking, that's what we're doing with our social events. I mean, our social events also to have fun, to be honest. That's the kind of right up there. We just have a laugh together. I, I felt it's very important as a church. We laugh together. And we mess about. And we can be silly. I like being silly. I really do. So, um, so we do that. Okay, so I just wanted you to see the sort of flow and the shape of the year. That's currently what we're looking at. Okay. So this uh, week, I'd like to carry on with our vision and mission. And I want to ask you a question. And the question I want to ask you is this. What does doing church bigger really mean for you and for me individually? What does it mean? Now, I don't know what inspired you when you first became a Christian. 
for me, it was apart from the fact that I had discovered there's a God out there and I can pray and I can talk to him. And that was all kind of novel and new for me. I wasn't brought up with that at all. I thought, I could, there's God out there. That's amazing. The other thing that really inspired me was stories about revival. I don't know, have, have you read stories about revival? And uh, particularly this book, uh, Colin Whitaker's book called Great Revivals. Anybody read that? All right, okay. Well, I read this book as, as a new Christian, and it absolutely gripped me because it talked about, a, it was like another world it opened up for me. Uh, and it was, uh, there were stories about the Welsh revival in 1904. If you read the stories about the Welsh revival in 19, it's just a stunning time in the history, over a two-year period, really, when Evan Roberts and a number of others, actually, began to preach the gospel. They felt a stir of God, and they saw thousands of people come to Christ in that, an unusual period of history. The presence of God fell on people. People were getting healed and restored. That nation was transformed for a period of time. Uh, after that, alcoholism dropped by 40% in that nation after that. There were some places in Wales where the police said there is no crime. There was no reported crime at all. The police didn't know what to do, so they went to church because that's where all the people were. So just phenomenal. And then the 1959 uh, Hebridean revival. If you read about that, that's a stunning revival where it was basically, it was two little old ladies who prayed and sought the Lord and then a mission came to town and then the presence of God fell on the Hebrideans uh, in, in, and people were, cr were walking down the street and they would fall down under the conviction of God. People who had no faith at all and they started crying out, what have I got to do? help and they didn't know what to do and they would go to the police and say how do I get free what and the police would say well this this is a preacher around the corner you better speak to him and people were getting saved in their droves there were journalists from Glasgow hardened hacks uh, going and singing well we'll just find out what all this is about as they came into the presence of God as they were on the boat going over the, they came into the presence of God the conviction of God fell on these hardened men and they were getting born again. You know, revival is a remarkable thing it, and it's historical fact. You can't argue with it. And that God in his grace has come again and again and again into our nation. I don't know about you, I long for that again. I long for that. I believe in a God who is merciful and will pour it out again. And uh, now... Fantastic to read those stories. But there is an issue I have with those stories. is that they all focus pretty much on all the good stuff. On the kind of, whoa. What it doesn't do is it doesn't talk about what does it actually mean for the people involved. What does it mean? And uh, <clears throat> what I don't want us to do is to say, let's do church bigger and then have an unrealistic expectation of what that means. So today, I just want to have a little look at the reality of doing church bigger. And what does it mean when this church, as it has been, and as it continues to get larger? What does that mean for us? <clears throat> well, um, the first account, I guess, we have of a revival is the book of Acts. And uh, we see in the book of Acts, the first revival occur, and we see about 120 Christians in this uh, little place, and they're all a bit fearful, to be honest, aren't they? They're all frightened, shivering away, what do we do, where's Jesus, what's happening? And then Pentecost happens, and the Holy Spirit is poured out, and we have this remarkable, revival-like account of these people, tongues of flame, has anyone ever seen that? I have never seen that. Tongues of flame coming and pouring out onto these people and being on their heads. And they have this remarkable encounter with the Holy Spirit. And uh, we then see, it says that Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, stands up and he speaks to the people. And it says 3,000 people get saved. Need a bigger building, wouldn't we? 
3,000 people. So they go from 120 to over 3,000 overnight. They go from small church to big church. Boom. And then, (laughs) I love the way it then says, yeah, and then they're preaching again. And then it goes up to 5,000. I'm not sure whether it's 5,000 more or they go up to 5,000. And then it says every day people start getting saved. And then then the Bible says, clearly they can't count anymore. It just says multitudes. We could deal with 3,000 or 5,000. We count them, but now it's just beyond what we can deal with. The numbers have just burst out of the kind of counting ability. <clears throat> so, let's have a look at this church and this period in church history when they go from small to big. And I just want to ask some questions, really, and have a little think about it. Um, before I do that, you know, you heard of Tim Keller? Tim Keller, super, any book by Tim Keller I would recommend for you to read. They are superb books, a really bright, intelligent, godly man. And he's done a lot on church growth. And he says it's really important to understand that when you get to about the 110, 120 mark, the, ca- the character, the nature of the church begins to change. You see, under that number, everybody sort of knows each other. And there's a kind of, and so if somebody makes a silly mistake, everyone says, well, that's old Fred, and we love old Fred, and he's gone and made a silly mistake. But, you know, we know him. As you begin to get larger, that attitude doesn't exist because not everybody knows each other anymore. And increasingly, people will say things like, well, that's not very good, it doesn't work. I don't like that. Do you see what I mean? There's a different attitude that begins as you begin to look at church growth, comes in. So what, what changes? Well, when you move from 120 to 3,000, you stop knowing everybody. Basically, around about 120, you kind of know. You, you might not know everyone personally, but you kind of, well, I sort of know them. 3,000, you are not going to know them. Suddenly, there is a loss of intimacy and community that you can know, particularly on a Sunday morning. You come into, and I know that this is true for people in New Frontiers who've moved from smaller churches to some of the larger churches, they think, well, I just don't know anyone. And you can feel a little bit overwhelmed. Even though it's the purpose and the plan of God to see people saved, you personally can feel a bit, hang on, I feel a bit, what? And you see, then you get phrases like this begin to occur. It's not like it used to be. (laughs) I remember it when we kind of knew it, and it was all really good. And it was like God was there, but now we're bigger. He's not. That's really what's been implied. And uh, so, uh, you know, some of these 120 people could have said, they didn't, there's no record of it, but they could have said something like this. I used to pray with Peter. Peter, James, and John. uh, Sometimes I would pray with him, and I could have a say into what was happening. And I'd have a little chat with them, and they'd say, well, that's good. Thank you very much, whatever your name is. Yeah, well, and they'd pray for me, and I'd pray for them. Well, now we're 3,000. I never see them. Don't even see them anymore. Where are they? I just want to say, watch your heart. Watch your heart. Larger means change. Lots of people don't like change. Naturally, the human condition, if you read the reports, naturally, people do not like change. People assume change is bad. Change means I'm going to lose out. We've got to just reverse that to recognize, no, change is good. Now, you're totally unconvinced looking at me. No, no, it's not. Change is not good. Okay. Well, that's a little way to go on that one yet. But I just, I want you to be aware Change will come as we get larger. Brace yourself. Brace yourself and watch your heart so that you don't begin to say. Now, we need to find intimacy in a church and community, but we'll have to find it somewhere else other than Sunday mornings. So small groups, prayer triplets that you gather, where we gather, uh, house groups, they become really important for finding community. 
and a sense of they know me and I know them. Because you need that. We can't just get rid of that. So just be aware. I just I feel quite urgently to say that to you. Hey, we want to be able to do church bigger. And if we haven't got the right attitude, what happens is people will begin to say, I don't want this. I don't want this. Because I like small church. I like the intimacy thing. And now that's gone. I, so, so unwittingly, we begin to say, I don't want bigger. I don't want growth. I don't want people saved and added. Do you see what I mean? That's what we can unconsciously begin to fall into. What else do we see? Oh, sorry. This. New people arrive and they start taking positions of authority. Stephen suddenly pops up in Acts. Well, where's Stephen come from? He's, I don't know, but he's spoken of very well and he's clearly an anointed man of God. That's the deal. It's not how long I've been there. It's not the civil service, this. I've been here for 20 years. I think it's my turn to be an elder now. No, it doesn't work like that. No, the anointing of God dictates, and God says, now I'm going to pull someone, I'm going to anoint them, and I'm going to cause them, and they might be brand new to us. Never seen them before. You know, interestingly, look, you know, um, you know they have this feeding program. The disciples have this feeding program. And they're clearly very committed to this feeding program. They've got a heart for the poor, you see. And they're, they're feeding, and clearly it gets to a size now, the church, where they can't do this. And the, the, the Greek-speaking widows start getting missed out. And they realize they've got to bring in a new team. So they bring in this new team. Interestingly, one of these guys is called Nicholas. He's not even Jewish. He's, he's from Antioch, which is outside the country, isn't it? Antioch's in Syria. Is that right? Yeah, Syria. He's Syrian. They brought a Syrian in. <sighs> not sure about this. It's how we think. Yeah, no. God suddenly will get hold of new people and he will bring them in, people that we have not known until that point. It's what we see happening. Let's get used to it. Let's not resent them when they come in. Let's make their lives good, not bad. You know what I mean? Because we can say, well, you better prove yourself. That's what we can do in our heart, isn't it? So, this is the other thing that happens with growth. Now, the disciples, 12 disciples had been trained by Jesus. Not bad teacher, eh? Twelve of them. And they begin to run things, and they start this feeding program because they've got a heart for the poor. Then suddenly, with growth, with bigger church, they can't cope anymore. That's the deal. And the Greek-speaking widows get overlooked. In other words, their needs are not met. When churches get bigger... Even by, with, run by excellent people, sometimes your needs will not get met. Hello? Yeah. yeah, good. Sometimes your needs will not get met. You will get overlooked at times. You will not be thanked for the hard work that you've put in. Church really isn't perfect, is it? Because <laughs> we're in it. Mistakes get made. How are you going to react? How are you going to react? Are you going to sulk? Are you going to say, well, I don't think much of this church. It was a lot better back then. Because my needs got met then. And of course, that's the important thing. No. Let's keep mission at the heart of what this is about. Jesus, we've got to reach people for Jesus. Growth is always good because it means more people are saved, more people are being healed, more people are being discipled. And it's a bit of a reflection of your own heart, actually, if you begin to say, my needs versus the mission, my needs, obviously. Which one are you going to go for? Now, keep mission at your heart, and then the inconvenience of your own needs being missed won't matter as much because your priorities will be elsewhere. Now look, they did try and sort the problem out. 
They did appoint another team, and they had to get used to another team. But this will happen. It's churches and organizations squeak. Gaps open up. People fall through gaps. Needs get over, uh, overlooked. Can we be ready for that now? Some of you are looking and say, well, my needs haven't been met for years. So, <laughs> well, that's the training to get you ready. <clears throat> Thank you for still being here. <laughs> Our response, though, is important. How are we going to respond to the challenges of growth? I feel like I need to sow some stuff in now. We are looking to God for further growth, aren't we? Some of us have begun to use words like breakthrough year. Okay, Lord. What else when churches grow? You may well face disappointments. You know, the original 12 faced the disappointment of Judas becoming a traitor and betraying this saviour that they love. That would be tough to get over. This is a man who's lived with them. This is a man who's held a position of authority amongst them. This is a man who they thought was one of them. And it's easy when betrayal comes in, because it's about to happen again, you see, with Ananias and Sapphira. They come in, they lie, they cheat, they deceive and it's easy at that point to get disillusioned in your heart to say, well, I, oh, well, this is just rubbish. If somebody can behave like that, then it's just it's meaningless. We kind of throw our hands up, don't we? It's all useless. <clears throat> You're going to face disappointments. How many, how many of us have friends that used to be passionate for Jesus and now are living in the world? I, I have. I've got a good friend. I was shouting at him the other day. Not that he was there. <laughs> Where are you? Why aren't you here? Don't get derailed by disappointments. It's easy. It's easy to be derailed by disappointments. Actually, what the disciples did was they acknowledged it was true. And then it says they drew lots and they asked God to replace. And then they found someone who was new. They did. I know, I know. They prayed over that, I know. I'm not sure we would do that, really, but... What's the other reality of growing church? Man, I wish I could just say this didn't exist, but actually, all the way through the book of Acts, and if you look at every revival that's ever occurred, this occurs. Persecution and difficulties. You see, if we have a... It's all just, woohoo, revival. When this starts to happen, we'll be a bit... Well, I, I wasn't expecting this. No, the reality is persecution and difficulty increases. As the disciples see increasing power and impact on the city, the religious authorities become increasingly determined to stamp them out. And they order them at one part from beating them. They then order them, stop speaking in his name. That's what they're told. Stop it. People will not like churches that grow. Churches that are shrinking are fine. Thank you very much, because that's what we expect to happen. But churches that grow are a bit of a... And what happens is the disciples experience accusation and threats, beating, imprisonments. Actually, often the motivation behind this is jealousy. Regularly, the Bible refers to the, the, the authorities at the time were jealous. And we see that in revivals. Absolutely, again and again, the Anglican church threw out John Wesley because he started to preach successfully in the fields. We don't want that out. So the Methodist movement is born. 150 years later, it's beginning to fade. So General Booth, William Booth, is brought along, and he is very successful. Some of the ministers are jealous of his success he has to come out of the Methodist movement and form the Salvation Army. It's our history, unfortunately. It's not pretty, but it's there. Jealousy, I'm afraid, happens. What else happens? 
Well, what else do we need? Well, this is going to happen. The need for generosity will go up. People in the book of Acts, it says, sold houses. Radical generosity starts to occur. They sell bits of land that they've got so that the needs of the needy can be met. And I want to say to you, as we grow, there will be more requests for money. I will be knocking on your door saying, please, will you be generous? Will you? I know you are already giving, you're already tithing, but I'm knocking on the door saying, we have greater need. And we're going to be asking for bigger buildings. Already doing that. We're going to be asking, I trust in the future, for money for new salaries. And also for the needs of the needy. We want to sponsor these kids, don't we? And there will be greater needs. And talking to pastors of larger churches, they say as they got larger, the needs go up exponentially. It's not a nice sort of comfortable linear growth. So a church of 400 is not like two churches of 200. It's just radical because you're radically larger. So you're reaching more communities of more need. And it can be a bit overwhelming. So I will be knocking on your door for that. What else happens? Needs, I've just said that, needs grow. The needs that we have among us will grow and become larger. What else happens? <clears throat> this happens. The need for teamwork goes up. If we want to do church larger, we're going to have to operate well in team. Glorious individuals can do well up to about 100. And then over 100, you can't do it anymore. So we have to find out what it means to work in team. How do you do in teams? Do you take instruction well? When somebody else is the team leader, how do you do with that? Well, I wouldn't do it that way. How dare you tell me what to do? We've got to react well to being in team. It requires humility, not pride. So teamwork is important. What else do we need to see? This. Got to be filled with the Holy Spirit again and again and again and again. The Bible, if you look through the book of Acts, it constantly describes these guys as being filled with the Holy Spirit. So Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, preaches the gospel, people get saved. Stephen, filled with the Holy Spirit, gets up and speaks to, to the elders of Israel. Uh, Paul, it says, Filled with the Holy Spirit once, rebukes this demonic thing. Power happens. We, it's not like we're building this on a bunch of business principles. Now, some of those things can be helpful, but it's not a business we're building. The businesses can't deal with the demonic. We, we battle against principalities and powers. Therefore, we've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's God's business. This is God's deal. We've got to be full of God in order to deal with it. Okay? So if you're a successful businessman, don't think, well, this is easy. It's different. It's different to a business. Some useful things you can take from business, but it is different. Okay, so be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled. Ask daily, Holy Spirit, come and fill me. Come and fill me. Uh, what else? Well, we see them praying. We see the disciples, they love the poor. And they've got this feeding program going, but they stop it, partly because it's too large, and then they say this, we are going to devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. When they're in trouble as a church, when Peter gets arrested, what do they do? They pray. We must be a church that prays. Particularly when things are going well and growth is occurring, you can begin to say, oh, easy. No, we pray. In the good times, we pray. In the bad times, we pray. We have a heartbeat of prayer in this church. Wednesday mornings, we meet at 10 o'clock. If you're available and you want to come downstairs, we meet every Wednesday. That has been a heartbeat for years in this church. We will continue to pray. Once a month in the evenings, we meet to pray. I know some of you have prayer triplets. I want to encourage you, please get into a prayer triplet and pray. It is the engine room. It's where the stuff is done. And then lastly... We've got to be bold. We've got to keep taking the initiative. We've got to keep pushing to say, right, how do we reach out again? How do we do this? How do we do that? And not be intimidated by people who say, well, you believe in a bunch of fairy stories, you lot. It's all rubbish. 
You're all bigots anyway. That's what they'll say. So those are the things we need to just have in our hearts. And what does it result in? Well, it results in doing church bigger. We do what Jesus told us to do. It's to reach the... the well, in our case, it's reach our community for Jesus and beyond. Reach thousands get saved. What else happens when churches grow? Social concern and care programs happen. Not a needy person among them. Remember what happened in the Welsh revival. What else do we see? Healings and miracles. What else do we see? International mission and outreach. Paul and Barnabas see phenomenal success around the world. Let some of us go to Germany. Why not? Why not? Increasingly, I've just been away on this weekend. There is a need for people to be thinking radically again about moving for the gospel. Will you sell your home and go? Now, you need a sense of call in that. It's not something we do lightly. <laughs> but actually, New Frontiers as a movement was built on people who said, I feel the call of God and I'm moving. Lots of people have gone to the Midlands and the North. And they're now in Scotland because they felt, no, the gospel is calling me. God is calling me. We've got to be a church like that, where we are radically saying, God, what you are saying is what I will do. So uh, what else do we see? We see new centers and churches like Antioch springing up. There's a new sense of the awe, the fear, the presence of God among them. Exceptional giftings will start to arise in larger churches. People like Paul, amazing ability uh, to reach people. Agabus, prophets like that. And then the impact is felt far and wide. People referred to Paul and Barnabas and the church as these men who have turned the world upside down. Our comfortable little world has been absolutely turned on its head. It's what the church will do. It's what will come. Doing church bigger has real implications for us. There are some things in that we've got to get our heads around. Some things we won't like. Some things we will adore. It's the good and the bad. But let's remember we've been called to mission. We've been called to follow Jesus and not have comfortable lives. What is most important for us? Is it following him or is it my nice, neat little life in Seven Oaks? Some of us will have that challenged. And that's good. That's good. Let's pray together. Father, we want to again present this vision and mission to you and we give it to you. And Lord, I'm asking that this will be a springboard for growth for us again. Father, I ask that this year would be a year of remarkable breakthrough when we see growth like we have never seen before. Father, we ask for your favor and your hand to be on us. We submit again to your mighty hand. Lord, we look for the leading of God. We look for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Father, we say to you, we want to take this stuff seriously and we want to put you first. So Holy Spirit, would you come freshly and grip us today? Father, would you grip us today? If you want the fresh grip of God, why don't you just reach out your hand? Father, let the fresh grip of God come on us today. We commit ourselves to you and your purposes and your ways. Lord, we say we are going to follow you because you are the meaning of it all. So Holy Spirit, come freshly now. Lord, and for those of us who just aren't convinced, would you come and convince us? Would you just show us? Would you speak freshly to us today? In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.